Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Luke's Gospel, reading there in the 24th chapter, beginning at the 4th verse. And it came to pass, as they were very much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You may say it's hard to say good morning on this day, even though it is Easter because of the overcast sky, because of the snow that we have experienced. But nevertheless, this is Easter day, isn't it? And I would like to remind you that on that first Easter day, it was a gloomy day also in the hearts and lives of Christ's followers. You recall that on Good Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, Jesus died. And I want to assure you he was dead because the Roman soldier took a spear and jabbed it into Jesus' side. And we are told that there came out blood and water. He was dead. And then there came out of the shadows, we are told in the word of God, two men who were followers of Jesus and believers in him, but secretly for fear of the Jews. And the one was Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea had a garden, and he had a tomb in that garden, and he had brought some linen clothes that he wanted to wind it around the dead body of Jesus, and he asked Pilate for the body, and he got the body of Jesus. There was the next man that came out of the shadows, and that was the man that you and I know as Nicodemus, the man you know that one time came to Jesus by night, and he had brought, think of it, a hundred pounds of aloes and spices to anoint that dead body of Jesus. And so those two men got the body, and with the help of some of the women, the body was removed from the cross, and it was placed in that tomb in Joseph's garden. They worked as frantically as they could, but the sun was going down in the western sky, and that meant the beginning of the Sabbath day. And they knew that they could not finish the task, but they would do as much as they could. When the sun was going down and they closed the tomb, the women decided that when the Sabbath would be finished on Saturday night at sundown, they would go to the market and buy the additional things that would be necessary in order to give Jesus' body proper burial, and they would meet very early on the first day of the week. And so it was that on this day very early, those women gathered in Jerusalem, and believe you and me, they were in a hurry for only one reason, and that was they hoped to be able to go to the tomb and to finish the job of embalming Jesus' body before the stench would be so great that they couldn't handle it. It was a gloomy morning that first Easter Sunday. And as they were walking along, going out the north gate, suddenly it dawned on them, when we get there, who's going to roll the rock away? How are we going to get in? Then it was, you know, that God stepped in, didn't he? And God rolled the rock away by means of an angel. And they ran and they saw the tomb was open and they went in and the body of Jesus was gone. And then there stood by them two men in white apparel, two angels, 
who said to them, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And there came the announcement on this morning, centuries ago, that Jesus, who was dead, was alive again. And here we are nearly 2,000 years later, and we are celebrating Easter. And we may say to ourselves, as through the word of God, those angels called on you and me to thank and to praise Christ that he brought himself back again alive from the dead. That we ought to thank and give him our great gratitude and appreciation that he resurrected his body from the dead, that he raised it again from the dead. And we may say after 2,000 years, why? Why should we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? We may say to ourselves, what great assurance do you really have in the resurrection of Jesus as regards Jesus? And we may say to ourselves, what comfort, what joy is there for me in the fact of his resurrection from the dead? And this morning, this beautiful Easter day, because it commemorates his resurrection, as the angels call on you and me, to thank and to praise Christ for his resurrection, let's weigh it carefully and let's say to ourselves, what great assurances, what great guarantees, what great securities do I have as regards Jesus and what does it mean to me in my own Christian life? And in the first place, the angels would remind you and me that the resurrection of Christ gives you and me this assurance beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was the Messiah, he was the Savior who was to come. Was Jesus of Nazareth, the child of Mary, was he the promised Messiah? Was he the promised Christ? You and I can go back to the Old Testament and we can say, well, the Old Testament tells us quite a bit about him, that when Messiah would come, we are told that he would be from the nation of Abraham. He would be from the tribe of Judah. He would be from the family of David. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin. He would be the lamb that was led to the slaughter. He would suffer and die on the cross. But don't forget that the Old Testament also tells us, as David in speaking about him said, Thou wilt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. David prophesied, here's the way you're going to know the Messiah when he comes. His body will not see corruption. He will be raised from the dead. And that's why one day when his severest critic said to Jesus, how do we know you're the Messiah? How do we know that you who are from up in Galilee, how do we know that you are the one who was to come to redeem Israel? We want a sign and Jesus says, I'll give it to you. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He said, my resurrection. He also gave them the sign and he says, even as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights and came forth, even so must the Son of Man be in the bosom of the earth. He pointed to his resurrection. Here is the acid test, he told them. If you want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt whether I am the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, you watch and see whether I am raised from the dead. And so when he was raised from the dead, here is your assurance and mine beyond the question of a doubt that this Jesus of Nazareth, this son of Mary, he was unquestionably the Son of God. He was the Savior who was to come. And you may say, what does that mean to you and me as a Christian? To me as a Christian this morning, this is what Easter means in the light of the fact that since he arose from the dead that he was the Messiah, that I know this, 
that as long as I put my faith and trust in him, when the day of my death comes, I know one thing that will not happen, that God the Father will not say to me, I'm sorry, son, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus as the Savior. He was an imposter. He was a sham. He absolutely was not the Savior. That can never happen. Do you have that assurance that when death comes to you and to me, and believe you me, it's coming, that we can say, I know this, that because of Easter, I know this, that Jesus was not a sham. The fact of Easter, the fact that he lives, he was indisputably, he was the Messiah and the Savior. He was no sham. He was no imposter. He absolutely was not one that was guilty of trying to deceive us. He was the Messiah. Why? Because he arose. You and I will never be disillusioned. This will never happen. That's what Easter means to me this morning. We say to ourselves, what is so wonderful about Easter? What are the assurance and the guarantees that we get? What are the securities that Jesus gives us in his resurrection? In the second place, let's know this. The angels would remind you and me that the resurrection of Christ from the dead, that he came back alive, it gives you and me this assurance beyond the shadow of a doubt that God the Father accepted his sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. Supposing the life of Jesus had ended on Calvary on Good Friday, supposing that was the last we had ever heard, then you and I could say, I know that he thought that he on the cross had borne my guilt and he had carried my sorrows. I know that he thought that he had taken my guilt and that he bore hell and damnation for me. But if he died on the cross and that was the end, how do I know whether he really did it or not? And believe you and me that when Easter comes, we can say to ourselves, here is the assurance that when Christ was raised from the dead, and bear in mind, the word of God not only says that he raised himself, but also that God raised him. In the very resurrection of Jesus, that he came back alive, here was God saying to the world, I have accepted the sacrifice of my son in full and complete payment for your guilt and condemnation. My son has borne hell in your stead, and he has a robe of righteousness that admits you to heaven and to all men. I have accepted it. It is payment in full. This is what Easter means, and to me as an individual and as a Christian, and I hope it means this comfort and this joy to you too, and that is this, that I know that when death comes, when I have my faith and my trust in Jesus as my personal Savior, I know that not only will God have to admit me to heaven, but he will do it gladly. God's got to save you and me because he assured me when he raised his son that that son, Jesus Christ, made a payment for my sins and for yours and for the sins of the whole world. And God accepted payment in full that the joy of God on the day of your death and mine when we have Christ will be not only will I and must I receive you into heaven, but it is the joy of heaven and the bells of heaven shall ring. This is what Easter means. We say to ourselves as it comes around, and here we are nearly 2,000 years since that event, we say, why does the Christian church still celebrate the resurrection of Christ? Because, again, it gives you and me assurances and certainties and guarantees that are second to none. They are the greatest of all because it also assures us that the angels would remind us when it says thanking for his resurrection because it gives us the assurance that Jesus actually conquered the grave. There's that grave that faces you and me. 
Did he conquer the grave, the last enemy of man? Yes, we are mortal and all flesh is mortal. Did he conquer the grave? And when Easter Sunday came, he conquered the grave. He came back from the dead. And because he lives, you and I have this assurance that Easter then means we've got a Christ who was greater than the grave. And therefore, to me as a Christian, it brings this joy. It brings this personal assurance that I'm not ashamed of, and I hope you aren't either. But when the day of my death comes, I know this, that I have the assurance that even though my body shall decompose itself in the grave, even though it shall be earth to earth and ashes to ashes and dust to dust, but nevertheless I have this assurance that just as certainly as my Lord conquered the grave, that at the last day he will raise up my body. I don't know what will bring about its dissolution, what kind of an incurable illness it may be, or whether it be blown to bits by an atomic bomb, but I do have this assurance that my body will be raised up from the dead in glory. It will be an incorruptible body because he assures me that because I live, ye shall live also. This is what it means, and I hope that Easter means that to you. We say 2,000 years, and here somehow there's something that draws us to church, isn't there? There's something that brings us, and maybe we never come any other time, but there's just something about it. We say, I, I want to go to church on Easter. There's just something about the resurrection. We may say to ourselves, what grand assurances and guarantees does the resurrection of Christ give, and what comfort does it bring into your personal life and mine? Well, the angels would call upon you and me today and say, Rejoice and thank Christ for his resurrection. Why? Because it gives us the indisputable proof beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus conquered Satan and he conquered hell. Who's the bigger? Who's the mightier? Is it Jesus Christ or is it again the powers of darkness, Satan with the fallen angels? Go back to the Garden of Eden, if you will, when God gave the first promise of the gospel back there in Genesis 3.15. When God spoke to Satan in the guise of a serpent and to our first parents, Adam and Eve, remember he said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God said, Jesus is going to simply bruise your head, Satan. He's going to conquer you, and you are going to bruise his heel. On Calvary, Satan brought about Jesus' death. He did bruise his heel. But did Christ conquer on Calvary. Did he conquer the power of Satan and of hell? In our creed, sometimes we fail to say it the way we ought to, but when we confessed our faith this morning, remember we said he descended into hell. How many of us know what that means? In the first Peter passage 3.18, when Peter tells us that again, in connection with his body, he went to the prison, and the Greek word there is a kerixe, he declared himself alive. The first person to see the living Christ on Easter was Satan and the fallen angels. Christ had declared himself, Satan, I'm alive again. I have conquered you. You dirty rascal, you aren't going to control the world. I, the living Christ, I have crushed you. I am seated at the right hand of God in honor and in authority. When you and I can say this is what Easter means as regards a guarantee with Jesus, what does it mean in your personal life and mine? It means this in mine, 
But I know this just as certain as I'm standing here and I have a faith in Christ, that when death comes to me, I know that Satan will not be able to grasp my soul and body out of the keeping of Jesus Christ. I may be unconscious. I may not know what I'm doing. But I know this, that because Jesus Christ has conquered Satan and hell, and he descended into hell and declared himself alive again, I know that the gates of hell shall never prevail against his church. It's going on. It's the one victorious thing we have. And I know that Satan and all the powers of hell can never against your will and mine ever grab you and me and snatch us away from Jesus Christ. I don't know if that brings you any comfort, but it does to me. Because I've seen people die, and I know again in the listlessness and the weakness, but it's a wonderful thing to know we've got a living Christ. That can't happen. The church of Jesus Christ is going on. He's got the whole wide world in the palm of his hand, not Satan. Don't forget it. That's what Easter means. We say to ourselves, when the angels call on us to thank Jesus for his resurrection, what does it mean? Well, it means this assurance and this guarantee also about Jesus Christ beyond the shadow of doubt that he's coming back. I don't know why he couldn't come back to you. When he again raised himself from the dead and when he conquered the grave and conquered Satan, I'd like to ask anybody who doesn't believe he's coming back, how do you know that he can't? What would you say would be an obstacle? What would hinder his return? He again has assured us that he's coming back and because he lived, this is what Easter means, Thank God he's coming back because as I look at this world and I see the rise of communism and men again are even doubting the existence of God and men are returning in bestiality and I say to myself, what's the answer to it all? I don't see any answer except this and I would scream it from the housetops. Christ is coming back. That's the answer. And I know that he's coming back because any Jesus that was big enough to raise himself from the dead is big enough to come back. And that means to me as an individual Christian that he's going to raise my body from the dead. And he will reunite it with my soul washed in his blood. And in him I will be reunited with my loved ones. Does it mean the same to you? That he will create new heavens and a new earth and that we shall be with him forever and ever and ever. And we'll never know what a tear is. That's what it means. If you've got somebody up in heaven and if you've got somebody that again has been taken away, then Easter begins to mean something, doesn't it? It begins to mean hope. It begins to mean something of which you and I are not ashamed. And that's why on Easter Sunday when we can come into God's house and we can say to ourselves, what do I care whether it's overcast or whether it's snowing, but nevertheless there can be a joy in your heart and mind. We ought to thank and praise Christ for his resurrection That means to thank and praise him for the infallible proofs he's given. I know individuals have said to me, do you mean to say you're an educated person, that you can believe that somebody came back from the dead? Well, now I may be an educated person, but I'm not a credulous person. I don't believe something hook, line, and sinker just because I want to. And I know this, that if it hadn't been for leap year, do you realize today Easter would have been April the 1st, and that would have been April Fool's Day. And believe you me, people would have capitalized on that one. The greatest April fool in the world is this, that men could believe that somebody could come back from the dead. Monstrous. I've been asked, have you ever seen anybody that came back from the grave? And of course the answer is no. But I would also assure you of this, that Jesus gave infallible proofs. I know he was dead. 
I know that, again, the Roman soldiers didn't steal the body because, again, they were there and they had guarded that tomb so that nobody would steal the body because they would have just played in the hands who were talking about a resurrection. And I know the disciples didn't steal the body because they never even dreamed of a resurrection. But I do know this, that he appeared. And I do know this, that the greatest of all witnesses is an eyewitness. What are you going to do? Mary Magdalene saw him. The women saw him. The disciples behind locked doors saw him. Do you realize that Jesus, before he went back to heaven, he had appeared to every one of his followers, and there wasn't one follower who was not convinced that he was alive again. They felt him, and they knew that he wasn't a phantom. Had he gone back to heaven and let Thomas in doubt, you and I would have always said, nevertheless, Thomas didn't believe he was risen, and therefore I've got grounds. But I want you to know this, that he gave infallible proofs that every man that cared, who claimed to be a follower, 500 at one time, yes, up in Galilee, they knew that he was alive. Infallible proofs. So even though I've never seen somebody that came back from the grave, and even though I am not credulous, and even though this is an April Fool's Day, nevertheless I thank him for the absolutely indispensable and the infallible proofs that he is the living Christ who came back. And therefore what we ought to do as we thank him today, we ought to live this living Christ every day. I stood in the Colosseum in Rome one day. Believe you me, it does something to you. I stood there in that Colosseum built 500 years before Christ with the floor out of it, and I saw all those subterranean halls, and I realized here was where Nero, in order that he might amuse the Romans, where the lions came out and where he fed Christians to the lions. And I stood there, and I knew I was on holy ground. And I said to myself, why did they allow it? All that those early Christians needed to have done was taken a pinch of salt and thrown it over their right shoulder and given their allegiance to Caesar. They could have saved themselves. They didn't have to be thrown to the lions. And I said to myself, why did they do it? Why did they stand and allow lions to tear them apart? Why? Because they knew one thing, that the Jesus that they believed in was alive. An empire, that they saw him. I saw the living Christ. And this is what kept them together. They knew that Christ was alive. This is why the early Christians greeted one another on Easter. Uh, Christ is risen. And they answered, he is risen indeed. They had a joy because they knew one thing. He was alive. He was alive. And then I went down into the catacombs in Rome, 70 feet below the ground, huge caverns, you not by the hands of men, where the early Christians carried their dead from the Colosseum, and they took them down in these burial places because Christianity was an illicit religion. And there again they worship. When you get down the catacombs and you read on the walls and you say to yourself, Oh God, what a faith they had in the risen Christ. Again, I am the resurrection and the life written on the walls. Jesus lives. Vivid, he lives. And as you go around in there and you see a sleeping Jesus awaiting the great resurrection because those early Christians, even though it was an underground religion, believe you me, they had this. The assurance that Jesus Christ was alive, and that's what made the difference. Then I stood in the holy city, and I was in the tomb in Joseph's garden. And believe you me, it was empty, and thank God it's an empty tomb. 
I stood there and I wept and I make no apologies for it, feeling the presence of the living Jesus Christ. He seemed so close to me that day that he touched me. Living, the eternal, living Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. What is it that has given Christianity a impetus? You realize there's only one religion on the face of the earth that's got a Savior that died and came back from the grave? All other religions are guessing. If it wasn't for the resurrection, you and I, no one else would know that whether there was life beyond the grave. I've never died and come back, and neither of you. There's one religion in the world that stands, and because it's got a Christ who died and who came back from the grave, that's what makes it different, and may I assure you, that's what makes it true. Don't ever be ashamed of it. When you and I come to church and we say to ourselves, what about this thing of facing death? I wonder how many of us know as you face the altar, the table part of the altar, how many of you know that that's a burial vault? Have you ever seen a burial vault? Have you been to the cemetery when you laid a loved one in the burial vault? Oh, you left the grave before the body was lowered down in the vault, didn't you? You didn't want to see it. But again, that's a relic from the catacombs in Rome. Because the early Christian church was an illicit religion, when they began to worship underground, they worshipped and celebrated the Lord's Supper on the tomb, on the vaults of their Christian dead. But will you look again because of Easter, right above that vault, one of them is going to hold your body and mine someday. There's the cross. And that's Good Friday, and we say, but I've got a Savior that died. And then will you look again at that cross? The body is off of the cross. And that means Easter. That's why we like the cross without the corpus, because then it reminds us of Easter. Our Christ was taken from the cross and he lived. This is comfort. This is comfort that maketh not ashamed. There is only one religion in all the world that's got a Christ who died and who came back. And may I assure you that's why it's the only true one and you can live him and you can die him. And some of you are going out to the cemetery this afternoon. And some of these lilies I know will end up on some graves. And as you go out, remember you've got a living Christ. And that word cemetery is a beautiful word. That word cemetery means a temporary sleeping place. The bodies of your loved ones and mine aren't going to be there forever. When you put that lily or a flower on a grave this afternoon and you're standing there alone, remember you've got a living Christ and you can dry your tears and you may shed buckets of them, but they aren't tears of hopelessness. And you can say with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon this earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Dry those tears. Easter is tremendous. It takes all fear out. May yours be a blessed Easter. Hallelujah. Vive it. He lives. Nothing else matters. He lives. That's all that matters. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Mm -hmm.